This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. And this is Mike White, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show. Uh, usually it's three of us, but uh, this week our We friend... finally did it. We de- <laughs> finally did it, listeners. We kicked Tiny off the show. We killed Tiny. Uh, we kicked Tiny off the show. We killed Tiny. Yeah. No, we killed him. We're just going to say it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, they're... of course I'm kidding. <laughs> we love Tiny. Yeah, he's he's just, he, he couldn't make it today. To record, it's, so uh, yeah, it's in the it's in the cold winter, mm-hmm. the end of the winter. It's March. I took a week off last week. Uh, Tiny is getting his week off this week, and so we're just kind of rotating. We should be back yeah. unless Matt wants a week off, and I don't think he does. We should no, be back never full force next week. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a plan. I actually have a plan for the weekend that I move into my new apartment, so that we don't have to record. Then, uh, nice. yeah, I'll, I'll tell you okay. about it off the air. But okay. anyway, so our thoughts and prayers are with Tiny as he battles a uh, food poisoning situation. <laughs> uh, as I said before, we're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic each episode. And the topic this week is that we have no topic. Um, we're basically just going to talk about some stuff that we've been watching lately. Um, it's what we call potpourri, which uh, is the section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want. And this is an extended potpourri, a yes. bonus potpourri, if you will, where oh, yes. it's kind of our opportunity to catch up with each other, but also to catch up with you guys. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and and before we get to it, I kind of want to share like an anecdote that's semi-podcast related. Um, so, okay, you know, uh, like this was like a month ago, I think, uh, Harris Whittles, uh, the yeah. producer for Parks and Rec, he died. Uh, of a heroin overdose. And so I had an interesting experience just listening to a podcast because uh, I was a fan of his because I, I love Parks and Rec, uh, which, by the way, their finale was just really, really good. Um, like, if I can go on a slight tangent, I guess, about that. Sure. Um, sure. Like, the thing about Parks and Rec and, and The Office is that Parks and Rec was created as a, a – a spinoff of source of the office or, or, uh, or what have you. But what they did with parks and rec was they distanced themselves from the mockumentary kind of referential aspect that the office was made so famous for. So what was interesting was that parks and rec didn't really, it was filmed mockumentary style, but it wasn't, um, filmed as if it was a documentary, whereas the office was, so they just did more time like time jumps and stuff at the end of Parks and Rec. It was just handled really, really well at the end. But anyway, so Harris Whittles, he was a frequent guest on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast. And it was just like he was on like several, several episodes. So I've just been – I downloaded all the episodes he was on and was have just been listening to them over and over again. And it reached a point where in my like rotation of podcasts, I put the latest uh, Nerdist Hostful episode on. And like in it, they basically like spend a long time eulogizing Harris Whittles. And it just kind of like – I had just such a weird reaction because I've I'd been listening to Harris Whittles on Comedy Bang Bang so frequently over the past couple of weeks. And then suddenly it's like, oh, wait, that's that's right. He, he died. 
I just kind of forgot about it. It was just an interesting anecdote I thought I'd share. It was it was kind of kind of strange. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of sad. I, I guess it's a good way to eulogize someone who was in that type of business and did those kinds of things. It's good that you were listening to a podcast. Yeah, and and I will say that he was I mean, he was incredibly funny. Like he was out of this world funny. Um and it's yeah. it's a bummer. Well, yeah. Cool. Um speaking of other bummers, I, I guess did you guys already talk about uh Leonard Nimoy? No, we didn't actually. We, no, didn't, we didn't talk about it last week. We ca- Matt and I kind of talked about this a little bit. I, w- I wouldn't call it an argument, but no, no. he said how much of a bummer it was. And kind of one of the things I've been doing lately um, is trying not to overuse try, – try not to get too <laughs> – sounds so weird. Try not, get to, try not to get too upset about death lately. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's – Sure. Um, it's pretty common that people know that uh, 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 the world and, and really Americans – um, kind of, kind of put such a sad spin on death, and uh, a lot of other cultures kind of celebrate it and, and and that kind of thing. Um, and so Matt talked about how much of a bummer it was that Leonard Nimoy died, and kind of my reaction to it was, is it really a bummer? I mean, he was <laughs> loved, admired, filthy rich, successful, uh, and died at eighty three, which is longer than the average. So, oh yeah. Um, and is, I, we use the word bummer, and, yeah. and so that's okay. I, I didn't mean to pick apart your words. Oh, no, no, um, not at all. I was waiting I, for I you. I think it's a good time to to just celebrate Leonard oh, Nimoy. Yeah. I, I think it's awesome. I, if we could live a life like Leonard Nimoy and die, uh, you know, uh, at least as late in life as he did. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I wouldn't want the illness, but um, right. still, it's not a bad way. It's it's really not. And I like I'd responded to your comment on Facebook on our on my on my private uh, Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. And like I was kind of waiting for you to respond to it so that I could respond with something else to clarify my meaning. Uh, but you never did. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. But uh, no, it's OK. But anyway, I, uh, I know what you meant. Yeah. Well, well, more for me is that it's I mean, like it, it wasn't tragic per per se or anything but it was um more of a bummer for me just just because in in my head i've i've just recently gotten into his work really so just kind of just it was kind of a shell shock kind of not shell shock but kind of a just like it bummed me out because it was like i was just now getting to the point where i was starting to appreciate him as as a performer uh having watched star trek so so yeah yeah but I agree completely. Yeah, it and it it should be noted and celebrated. Celebrated how how yeah. successful he was at life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I want to play a game with you, Matt. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna start. Let's get into this episode. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Am I getting something? Any pants I've for been. This? Yes. Well, no. Oh, okay. Um, well, something I've been doing with my friends lately. <laughs> uh, I ask them. How long was Power Rangers on before the Green Ranger showed up? Ooh. Huh. Take a guess. Okay. All right. Um And this is the game. That's what I do. Take a guess. Okay. Um My guess would be maybe 12 episodes. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> You're pretty good. We played this game and I guessed it was like a year. Oh, or a really? year and a half. And I, t- and I said to my brother, said guess. And he guessed like, oh, a season maybe toward the end <laughs> of the first season. 
No, I and I said to some friends at work, and they were like, "What a year!" Nope, it's he's in the seventeenth episode. Wow. And so I'm doing this thing. Um, longtime listeners, you might recall, about a year ago, I. I, I rediscovered what E.T. was like. I rewatched E.T. and just had the strangest feelings of of recognizing it, but not really um, being sure if I if what I was seeing was recall or I was just um, seeing it a new way and remembering that I could remember. I, I don't know. It was a strange thing. But the same thing happened lately. Um, and this is me getting into my topic. I've been watching a lot of Power Rangers lately. Nice, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you think, and, and I'm glad you add that amendment. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a little background on my Power Rangers experience thus far. Um, when Power Rangers came to Netflix, something like three and a half years ago, like like summer eleven, right? Yeah. It came back onto Netflix, um, and I watched maybe the first eight episodes and was pissed. <laughs> I just felt like I was tricked, you know, my uh, mm-hmm. my childhood was tricked because it was so much, it was even dumber than I remembered it being. You know, I, I didn't oh, yeah. think it was a smart show or anything, but it was even dumber than that. Have you watched it on Netflix? Um, I think when it first came on Netflix, I, I tried to watch a little bit of it, but then I think it was just the realization that this thing that I cherished so much as a kid was basically a... A show that I think that was when I realized that it was a show that its action sequences were just borrowed from like some Japanese show or whatever with the the yeah Super Sentai yeah and it was just yeah. like it felt just so weird yeah and incongruous uh not even not just borrowed L- literally like taken I-, I mean I guess you can say borrowed but. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a secret, or at least it wasn't a secret for that long that this it, mm-hmm. the, all of the action scenes were this seventeenth season of the Super Sente, and uh, they just used the action footages footage from that, and so hmm. like they would build stories around that. Um, it's really it's really quite different. I kind of uh, um, I've been reading about it a lot lately and, just, <laughs> and checking into it. And so um, I went out to breakfast with my wife last weekend, and we were just talking about the perspective of things when you're younger and mm-hmm. and how things seem so much longer and how I lived in uh, the city of Aurora, which is the suburb of Chicago for only four years, but so much of my youth felt like it was spent there. Right. I mean, I remember playing Pokemon for years, but <laughs> it was only out for a year when I lived in Aurora and, um, you know, being excited for Ocarina of Time for years, but it was only like a month. Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, but when you're when you're 11, a year is one eleventh of your life, right? You know, uh, and and so huh. time is just it's it's relative to your age, obviously. And so, anyway, I was thinking about Power Rangers, and I was thinking about the history of Power Rangers, and and um, that it was only Mighty Morphin for three years, and how it came on when i lived in chicago but i felt like i watched it for at least 3 years in chicago but i didn't really cuz i moved to aurora <laughs> um and so i i had to work on an essay last sunday uh and i i when i'm when i'm doing a lot of work and i can kind of be passive about other things i like to put on a show that i'm going to watch passively mm-hmm. and so i decided to start power rangers um 
like four or five episodes before the Green Ranger shows up. And I found that that was the, the 12th episode because she shows wow. up in the 17th episode. 12th, okay. I, I got you. And I have just found a weird new respect for it that is blowing my mind. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm I am having an absolute blast watching Power Rangers. Huh, that's awesome. It is cool, and I'm and I'm just so glad about it that that I don't this this memory I had of my childhood isn't soured anymore. Because for the last three years it was soured. I was right. like, why did I waste so much time? Why was I such a stupid kid with this stupid <laughs> stupid show? Um, and so it just feels good. I you know it it's cool. It's really absurd, and every time Bulk and Skull are on the screen, I, I look away. Yeah, And yeah. it's really hard to stomach the two of them, and the acting is horrendous. But I love um, I love just the how, how they introduce no, new Zords, which is just introducing new toys. Right. Um, and the build-up, and like, I, I felt so stupid, but I, like, I got chills the first time they did Dragon Megazord. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Or Mega Dragon Zord, excuse me. Sure, sure. So there's there's Dragon Zord battle mode, mm-hmm. which is they take the legs of the the yellow and blue Zords and the arms of the black Zord and put it on Dragon Zord. Okay. But then there's then there's Mega Dragon Zord. You sound like a dad listening. To <laughs> and then they and then they take the Dragon Zord's head. <laughs> I, was, I thought and I so had that it, same it, thought. Yeah, and so it's like a it's like a suit of armor for the Megazord, and it's just so cool. And Ultra Zord showed up, and I was like, I thought this happened three years into the show, but no, it didn't. And then Tommy gives Jason his gold shield, and it's just like, oh yeah, those yeah those things you imagine when you're young. Like, what if they did this, or what if Jason got to wear the shield? They kind of do that stuff, huh. and and so I have to give them credit at least for for maybe listening to the imaginations or or being cognizant of what the imaginations of young boys at the time might have been wouldn't right. it be cool if you know <laughs> blah 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 and they do that kind of stuff so nice um it's cool i i also learned sorry i'm just going to rant on oh, no no no, no that's fine cuz i love it i also learned that the first season is i believe 63 episodes it might be 62 Jesus. 63 more than 60 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the original episode order was 40 episodes. Okay. Okay. And so these 40 episodes used 50 episodes worth of the, the Super Sente series, right? Okay. And kind of recut it and, and shaped it one way. And so the, the 39th and 40th episodes, which I finished yesterday, are um, Doomsday. It's like a finale of sorts. <clears throat> okay. And at this time, Tommy had already lost his powers and he's gone. But it was so popular at the time and it was so well received that um, Saban, Heim Saban, the Mm -hmm. creator of uh, Power Rangers, got Fox to order 23 more episodes, which, as (laughs) we know today, is a full series run, right? Jesus. Yeah. Um, By the way, it aired aired like three or four times a week and that's why they were able to do so many. I remember Um, racing home from uh, from the bus stop. When I lived yeah. in Ohio, just so to make sure I could get to it in time, right? Uh, and oh, by the way, uh, the show premiered uh, in late August, August twenty eighth, or something like that. And mm. the Green Ranger showed up by October. Oh wow! Like a yeah, a month. And so anyway, um, they did twenty three more episodes, and I'm still in in these twenty episodes at the end of the first season. 
Um, but they they filmed because the Super Sente stuff was was kind of dried up. Mm-hmm. They filmed what uh, fans call ZU2 footage, which they paid that company in Japan to record more fighting footage and new monsters huh. and new things. But to keep in mind some of the American um, storylines that had transpired oh. since the beginning. And so like at, as they're fighting as rangers – um, you know, like the Green Ranger and the Pink Ranger will will kind of like lean on each other because they're dating. Right. Or uh the Blue Ranger was kind of the comic relief in Super Sente, but is the smart one in Power mm. Rangers, and so they kind of showed that he was the smart one and they they showed that the girls were friends, and so they kinda like the 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 back nine, if you will, of of Power Rangers season one is more uh, kind of fine tuned to the to the American version of the fight scenes. It's pretty cool. That's really cool. I didn't yeah. I didn't know all of that. Um, yeah, I have a couple of anecdotes about uh, Power Rangers. I please. I feel like I may have. T- I'm I'm sure I told you this once before. Um, but when I was a kid, I don't remember. I don't rem- remember when this was, but I actually wrote a letter to Saban. Uh, <laughs> pitching a show <laughs> that was basically the exact same thing as Power Rangers but set in Indiana because I, or it was Ohio because I lived in Ohio um and then I actually got a letter back saying that they can't take unsolicited ideas yeah of course yeah and I was just like uh, yeah and then like to like do you like, still have that letter I don't I wish I did I really wish wow. I did um and then like a few months later is when Beetleborgs came out so I basically created Beetleborgs. Basically, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the Green Ranger stuff, it, um, let's see, what, sh- what should I ask? Um, a, <laughs> does it does it still, does it hold up to like the, what I found most interesting about it, that was my favorite like arc of the series from what I remember, but it's it was mostly because it was just so different from the team dynamic that they're fighting another ranger mm-hmm. and then the ranger eventually becomes one of them and it's it, it was so off the beaten path of what what i was accustomed to mm-hmm. does that still hold up or how do you feel about the, how do you feel about the green ranger yeah it's pretty cool it it happens so much um more, so much faster than i than i thought it did and that's okay. kind of what this whole thing is about um <laughs> So it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it is it is cool. There there is an interesting dynamic when when you get past kind of the the kids show bullshit that mm-hmm. you know that Rita always had a coin and she yeah. could make a ranger or whatever. It is cool to see them fighting another ranger. Uh, Jason David Frank is awful. I mean, just horrendous <laughs> of an actor. He's just so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is cool to see that dynamic. It's also five episodes long, which is huh. the the longest like serialization of the show. I mean they they don't really uh, it's largely episodic. It's like a villain of the week show, um, right? But this it's it's serialized obviously, which I think it just took place in a week. You know, I yeah. think it was just the Green Ranger week, um, and it's pretty cool. And it's cool when he becomes a ranger, and then. Almost as quick as he joins, he's gone. He loses his powers in the Green Candle Saga. Okay. Do you remember this? I don't. I don't. <clears throat> okay. Um, so for 
if he shows up in the 17th episode and by the 22nd episode he becomes an official ranger, he's probably in another mm, 20, 30, 15 episodes at the most of the Green Ranger. Um, and most of the time they have to like find a way to – to get Tommy to go somewhere else and they have to call in Tommy later. Like he's not just with them all the time. Oh, wow. Most of the, you know, the standard uh, Ranger episode is they have a fight with the putties in co- right. uh, it regular, then they go into costume, then they go into Zords. And most of the stuff, even including the Green Rangers the, uh, uh, episodes, starts with just the five Rangers uh, morphing for the first time and they realize they need help, but they can't, they can't do it on their own. Okay. So they have to call him in, um, and he comes in, and that stuff is is good. It's it's fun to watch. It's a blast to watch. Cool. Yeah. Um. That's cool. That's awesome. I'm yeah. glad that your your love of Power Rangers is being re- reignited. Yeah, me too. It all started, of course. I I have to give credit to the uh, to that short film. Which yeah. Is, is it is it on the internet anymore? I mean, they, I, they any- put it back up. They did. Yeah, I know. In any official sense, it's it's gone, right? <clears throat> well, what happened was, was um, and if you're and if you're interested in, it, I I definitely recommend checking out the slash filmcast episode with the director of it. Um, okay. But he, what happened was that Saban contacted them and was like, "Yeah, we need you to cease and desist us right now." <laughs> right. Um, and then so they took it down, and then. I guess he added a another disclaimer to the top of it or whatever, and then they were able to work with them, and then they were able to put it back up. So it's back up on YouTube now. Gotcha. Um, All right. Uh. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, yeah. I, I guess. Do you do you mind if I go on to my first topic? Yeah, please. There's, okay. I could I could go on, but I. I'll... <laughs> Kind of save our listeners' patience. Okay. Well, I'm going to do something a little different this episode. Um, usually I just go point by point and, and we go kind of back and forth, but I actually have quite a bit. And what I've been doing lately is in preparation for moving into a new apartment, I'm I'm essentially a cord cutter. I'm, I'm getting like different streaming um, services. And then for my new apartment, I'm going to kind of have my own setup between – Hulu Plus, Amazon Prime, Netflix, and then HBO Now when it when it comes out next month. So what I'm going to do with this episode is I'm going to take each streaming service and break down what I've been watching on it lately, and the, each turn will be each streaming service. Um, okay. Okay. So so first up is Amazon Prime, um, Amazon Prime Instant Service, uh, Instant whatever. Um, to talk, I've only I only have one movie on here that I have to talk about. But before I do that, to echo your comments about watching stuff passively, I uh, while editing the podcast, like I think it was two episodes ago, I put, threw on NYPD Blue. Oh, nice! Yeah, and I I never watched a single frame of it ever, ever. Um, yeah. and I I got through like most of the pilot, and then turned it off because I finished editing or, or something. I think it was like right at the tail end of editing or something like that. But it was interesting. It was very interesting to see that kind of early 90s uh, anti-hero drama. Um, especially it, it was basically the precursor to Vic Mackey in The Shield, which funny enough, the uh, the Black Power Ranger, the first, the first Black Power Ranger – he was on the shield. I, I should mention that. 
Yep. Um, <clears throat> Walter Jones. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's his name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, anyway, that, that's an interesting connection. But NYPD Blue, it was it was interesting. I watched the first half of the fir- of the pilot episodes. So I didn't really get long into it. But I'd completely forgotten that I knew that David Schwimmer was like a recurring uh, guest on it. Okay. Uh, and it was just – it was really interesting to see him at, in this kind of goofy – On NYPD Blue? Yeah. He's in the, fir- the first episode? He's in the pilot episode. He Wow. Okay. Yeah. He's like uh, not – he's like Sipowitz's partner's ex-wife's lawyer. Okay. And now – um, I didn't start watching until kind of later on, and this was a show my family watched. So, like, if my mom had it on, I would watch it. But right. uh, when you say Sipowitz's partner, Detective Kelly, David Caruso, yeah, it was like Caruso's show, right? Yeah, he Sipowitz was like top wasn't really build. the star, right? Exactly. Until Caruso left, mm-hmm. uh, and and Dennis Franz was kind of the main, and then they got uh, Bobby Simone, Jimmy Smith's Bobby Simone. Mm-hmm. Interesting. On. Yeah, I like I don't know much of anything about. I didn't even know David Caruso was in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that, I thought that was interesting, and I might go back and and watch more of it, but I'm I'm not sure. But the other thing that I watched on Amazon Prime was uh, this movie Coherence. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with it? I'm not. Okay, well, <clears throat> I, I feel like I. I I know I'm I'm pretty sure that the guys at uh, Cinema Rolls podcast told me about it, and I think that Pat told me about it too. Okay. From the nerds you're looking for. So coherence to to describe the plot of it would be to kind of give away some elements of it. So all I'll say is that it's a group of eight eight people meet up for a dinner at a house, and then on the night of of that a meteor is cra- uh, uh, crossing Earth's path or whatever, and then weird <laughs> goes down. <laughs> okay. And. It's really interesting. It's like a mix between uh, Primer and The One I Love, if you ever okay. got around to seeing that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the, the One I Love is really good. But it basically what Coherence does is it takes hard sci-fi and doesn't hold your hand with it at all. But it it's okay. really intriguing. It's like – it's uh, – it, I like I can't I don't know how to explain it without giving stuff away, but it's it takes like certain principles of of science and and it makes it play out and it's it's really interesting and it's really rewarding if you don't give up because it's it's not that it's hard to follow it's just that it's kind of it really demands commands most of your attention or a lot more uh-huh. attention um, and that can get kind of tiresome I guess because the acting is just okay. But yeah. it's it's a really interesting really interesting movie, um, and I'm I'm sorry I can't say more about it. <laughs> yeah, it was well, cool. I think you've you've whetted our appetite. Yeah, yeah, and it's available on Amazon Prime. Cool. So, what do you have uh, up next? Oh, you, that's all you have for that. Oh, yeah, that, that's all I have for Amazon Prime Instant. Although they have like a bunch of stuff on there that I want to watch, like. Um, Falling Skies, I kind of want to get into because I'm going through a sci-fi kick, and Tiny recommended the first couple seasons, so I mm-hmm. might check that out. But it's it's really cool. The one downside to Amazon Prime is that I noticed that its its interface is a little bit leaves a little bit to be desired because it's kind of 
like they have seasons and everything, but it's not like it's not like Netflix where you go to one title and then it drops down with all the seasons. It's like mm-hmm. it's like you find like season one of the X Files and then season two is next to it. It's it's kind of goofy and it's kind of hard to navigate. It's not as user friendly as say Netflix. Weird. Yeah. So that's it for Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, well, then the next thing I want to talk about is the movie The Lazarus Effect, which came out, I think, two Fridays ago. Sure. I, this was uh, not on my radar at all. Okay. It it was because um, I'm just always looking for new horror, and I was mm-hmm. just kind of hoping. Uh, and also, Donald Glover is in it. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. And so I'm, I am only going to spoil what the trailer spoils for you. Okay. Donald Glover dies in the movie. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and the reason I bring up this movie, uh, just for my short, short review, it was terrible. Um, f- crappy, not crappy, but underperforming performances from actors who uh, have been in some good stuff lately and ha- who I really admire. Uh, terrible script. Um, most of it takes place in the dark and not scary at all. There were kids in the movie and, and uh, in the movie theater and they weren't scared either. So. I saw the trailer for this a while ago, um, and the premise is that Olivia Wilde's character uh, and her and her scientist friends have um, essentially they've developed a way to reanimate dead people. Okay, um, and so they're doing an experiment. She dies, and then they reanimate her, uh, uh, but she is not the same. You know, she's a little different. She's been to hell and back, mm-hmm. literally. And so in the trailer. Um, she is causing some destruction. Then there's a shot where she kind of forces Donald Glover's character into this cabinet, crushes the cabinet, and blood uh, kind of pours out of the cabinet. And when Jeez. I saw this trailer for the first time, I literally out loud uh, said, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, and I was even shushed by it, and I hate being shushed. So somebody, oh, really? Somebody shushed me, and that, and that bothered me a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's a trailer, so whatever. Right, yeah. And so I was frustrated. I was like, now we know he dies, and we know yeah. exactly how he dies. And that <sighs> is exactly how he dies. You know, I held out hope that maybe it was something else. Maybe right. it was just clever editing or something, but it wasn't. They they showed his death scene in the trailer. Um, and so we could use this, if, if you want, to kind of talk about um, – trailers and and how much is enough in a trailer like what do you i know you have a lot to say about uh um all the all the news about star wars <laughs> oh uh, yeah trailer oh my god do you, do you think the whole and and i do do you think the whole trailer culture is is spot on is it too much why is it why is it the way it is today what do you, you think? know <sighs> In terms of trailers themselves, I'm fine with them, and and people get kind of up in arms about like, oh, I, they this gave too much away and everything. Well, yeah, okay, <clears throat> I agree. I hate when they give too much away. I mean, I mean, we've had trailers like, like these Amazing Spider-Man two had like the last shot of the movie in the trailer, uh-huh. and same with um, uh, um, Quarantine, I think. Or, or something. Mm-hmm. Some movie had – it's very popular in horror to show like the last shot of the movie in the trailer and that's just horrible. Like if yeah. you're going to make a trailer, cut it from at least the – at most the first two-thirds of the movie. I mean that's – it's just – it's better marketing. Um, but on the flip side, it's like, okay, well, if you're not 
picking apart trailers, it's easy for the trailers to just kind of go away from your mind. Like if I go to a theater and I see a trailer for um for for a movie and then I just kind of forget about it, I'm not going to really remember each each piece of it um mm-hmm. when I come to see the movie. But that doesn't give them free depending room. on the movie, depending yeah. on your level of interest though. Yeah, depending on how how um how prolific the marketing is i could i could see it just like there's a difference between seeing a trailer every once in a while and going to the internet and watching it frame by frame over and over again just mm-hmm. in anticipation which is something i don't do really ever anymore um right. but it's still hard to avoid trailers when like when we go to see a movie frequently enough or even like just in commercials or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah, in terms of trailer culture, I think that it needs to be I I think that they need to really cut cut trailers a little bit uh better and more But are they doing it uh, is this are we just uh a couple of nerds complaining or are they like it's not going to stop, right? Because they want more people to know um about the things in their movies. This this brings me to a conversation I've been having with some of my friends at work and how they announced um they announced that Spider-Man of course is going to be in the the Marvel movies now. Right. We've talked about this a lot ad nauseum. So I I, I don't want to harp on it too much, but um some of the younger some of my students, <laughs> the younger people I talked to, um were saying, "Wouldn't it be cool if we didn't find out who was playing Spider-Man until they re- revealed him in the, in the movie. And I said, yes, of course that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that will happen. Yeah. And they're I like, agree. really? You don't think so? And I'm like, I mean, no, I don't think so. No. At all. I, I mean, it is the first as soon as they cast him we will know oh yeah and we will know when he backs out of the movie and we will know when he when they cast someone else to be in it yeah it's it's all part of just hollywood being a business it's the um, hype it's the business yeah and and is that good i mean you know i mean wouldn't things, it be cool it would be what would be even what i think would be even like cooler and what the, i think that they should have done um if it was possible would have been for them to quietly make the deal and then mm-hmm. the tag for Avengers Age of Ultron would just show Spidey coming coming out of nowhere. Like after right. the credits, just show Spider-Man. And then like right. can you imagine the level of like holy f- what just happened? I know. I know. But, and that's the argument. That's, yeah. that, that is your answer to the argument. No, mm-hmm. if, if they would have done that, if they would have saved the reveal of Spider-Man, they would have saved the reveal that he was even going to be in the movie right, for the movie. Right, exactly. So, no, of course they're not going to save yeah. it. And even then, in, in to uh, yeah, if, if you say that it would have been better, like the opposite side of my argument for that, about it being better to show that at the end of Age of Ultron, it would also overshadow everything that happened in Age of Ultron. Um, yeah, right. Presumably. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, just trailers... Uh, and somebody who was saying... Uh, it, was, it was another student. Uh, kids say the darndest things. <laughs> he was like, wouldn't it be cool if uh, in the tag, like the post credit scene, um, the stinger, which he doesn't right, phrase, right. Uh, the stinger of the movie, uh, we see Spider-Man and like the, the credits roll and then Spider-Man just swings by. And I was like, yes, that would also be cool. That's also <laughs> not going to happen. Right. Like it's done. They're, and they haven't even cast the kid yeah. yet. 
Yeah. So I I don't know. I it's part of me likes the whole hype machine because I was mm-hmm. part of it a long time ago. But the other part of me sees the the pitfalls and the and the really negative side, which I think culminated with Amazing Spider-Man two. But yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm more I'm more interested in just them creating a product that I enjoy. Yeah. More so than right. anything else. Exactly. Um, exactly. But let's talk quickly about Star Wars Episode Seven. <laughs> um it's just it's oh my god the hype around and it's it's really just this one site that's doing it and it's clearly clickbait i what www.internet.com you mean one site (laughs) okay one site that i've i've seen it's i mean i i love the slash filmcast i absolutely adore that that podcast but the the site slash film.com it's one of like the few entertainment sites that I follow on Facebook and everything because if you follow too many, it just gets, you know, clutters the yeah. feed, but which I'm, I really want to, I really want to unfollow, uh, entertainment weekly cause they gave away something in house of cards. Mm. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so they've been posting these, I, I talked about it before, I think about how like, like just like the most clickbait stuff for star Wars news, and right, the cross guard lightsaber. Yes. Oh my god. And the latest one, like, and, and like, I've been, I've been making a habit of just doing like these snarky little sarcastic, like, oh, Star Wars things to you guys in the pod chat. But this was just, just, this was just pure annoyance on my part. Like, nothing to do with Star Wars. Just the fact that this post was made. It was a. Let me see if I get this right. It was a. It was, it was an article, that was telling us a rumor about the tra- the second trailer for The Force Awakens. So mm-hmm. it was basically a rumor description of a trailer for a movie that we've already seen a trailer from and isn't going to come out for another like what, 9 months? Yeah. And it's just it it just got to me. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, if I understand it's it's one of if not the like one of the biggest franchises in in pop culture mm-hmm. and i understand people are excited about it but i mean if they're literally picking apart rumors of descriptions in in their in their um what's the word i'm looking for in their in their consumption consumption of the hype they're setting themselves up for a downfall for disappointment yeah. um yeah, yeah are they though I, I feel like the lay audience just forgets that they made any claim and they're just excited to keep reading more of this speculation and ridiculousness. Well, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say it's, it's getting set up to where people are just surrounding themselves with all of these ideas and descriptions and rumors and stuff that, I mean, who knows what's to what's true and what's not. So on one hand you get stuff that will be true that's actually going to be in the movie that you've are, that you already know about because you read about it, or there's a rumor that sounds really interesting that you latch onto, and then when you don't see it in the movie, you'll be disappointed because because J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams didn't put something that he wasn't even on his radar into the movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it's just a slippery slope. Is this all just because you hate Star Wars so much? It's <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate Star Wars. 
Is it because you hate it so much, though? It's uh, it's it's not. It's it's not. Personally, it's just because I hate that George Lucas gave it away because I felt like he he had three more movies in him. I That's mean, true. The Jar Jar. He was on a ro- he was on to something. Yeah. I agree. I mean, with the I Empire, yeah, with the Empire going down, I mean, uh, Jar Jar needed to re redo the Republic, restart it. Yeah, he was, right. he, you know, he was a delegate in the Senate and all that. Right. <sighs> anyway, all good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, do you mind if I go on to my next one? Go for it. All right. So the next one, following my my weird way of doing it, is uh, Hulu Plus. Um. I've been watching actually a lot, quite a bit of stuff on it. Really, I only have two to talk about on here because last week I talked about uh, The Last Man on Earth, the Will Forte Mm -hmm. show, Mm -hmm. which I'm looking forward to watching the next episode tomorrow. But so I watched two things on Hulu Plus. Really briefly, first, I'll talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I finished the first half of season two. It's pretty fun so far. I, I think I talked about the first season at some point earlier in the podcast, um, yeah. several weeks ago, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's a fun show. It's fun as background for the Marvel cinematic universe. And season two is a little, it's a little darker, but it's a little kind of jumbled. Like after, um, winter soldier kind of, it changed the, the way that agents of shield operates because there's a, essentially no shield left. So they're kind of this kind of um, underground organization that's that's fighting Hydra clandestinely. Um, That's how do you? Yeah, it's uh, like a clandestine war, I guess, between Shield and Hydra. But what? It's kind the okay. First of all, the season is kind of lacking like a decent uh, like a big bad. Like season one had uh, Deathlock. Mm-hmm. Which was just kind of interesting, but it was what interested me most about him was that you kind of saw the long the long term transformation that was spread out throughout the season. So he starts out as just this guy who has powers, and then he eventually gets transformed into Deathlock, mm-hmm. um, and that was just that was cool to see. But this season, like really, all we have is uh, the uh, Reed Diamond plays this Doctor uh, Doctor Whitehall. I don't think he's from the comics or anything like that. Yeah, not familiar. Yeah, and then we also have a uh, Kyle McLaughlin plays the father of one of the agents who's who's kind of crazy. Which, um, the, the both of the actors are fine, but it's just it just it's kind of unfocused. But Kyle McLaughlin, he's he's so fun to watch uh, that it actually makes me want to check out Twin Peaks, <laughs> uh, nice. which I've never really I never watched and never really had much of an interest in. Mm-hmm. But um. Other than that, I mean, okay, the the show kind of falls in, in this season. It kind of fell into uh, network action TV tropes, which I could easily pick up on because I'm I'm a reformed twenty four fanatic, and that's yeah. kind of my cross to bear. Um, so like, I mean, there was like a like a character who turned evil, and so like you kind of see them play out these kind of standard network TV, like, Oh, okay. He's going to escape and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And it's just kind of like, okay, I I saw all this kind of stuff in one form or another over the eight or nine seasons of, uh, 24. And then also last thing about agents of shield, they have like, there are two characters that I really liked. Um, and their dynamic got changed drastically for season two, which was fine. But, 
Um, it's and it, this kind of goes back to my, I guess, dislike of network TV or my aversion to network TV because cable and uh, premium cables and Netflix has kind of spoiled me on what with the lack of limitations right. that they can have. Right. So one of my favorite characters, he is dealing with the fallout of something that happened to him in season one. He, he became kind of damaged. So it's, it's interesting and it's, it's really kind of sad to see him struggle so much, but like, like I have in my notes, it's interesting, but goddamn, is it required in network TV for a character who's going through troubled times to have a wardrobe of only dark colors? <laughs> like it's like everything that he wears is just dark. And it's like, I, I can tell that the wardrobe department is trying to match like the tone of the show. And it's like, it just seems just so lazy. And mm-hmm. it seems like such just a cheap kind of way to telegraph how we should feel, but I don't know, but mm-hmm. it, it's enjoyable. It's, it's fun. Um, yeah. And then do you have anything to say about agents of shield? You haven't watched any of it. Have you? No. And I don't think I will. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, like I said, it's fun as kind of background for, for the Marvel cinematic universe. But honestly, it's other than that, it's kind of just a passive thing you can do. But Pat Oswalt is amazing as a, <laughs> As in it, he's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then uh, the second show, the other show that I've watched on Hulu Plus lately is I saw the pilot episode of American Crime. Uh, are you familiar with the show at all? Uh, only, only vaguely. Okay, so I'll give you just a quick rundown of the plot. So the show is created by John Ridley, who wrote uh, or adapted Twelve Years a Slave. Um. Basically, Timothy Hutton has a son in the show that's murdered, and then the pilot follows multiple perspectives on, like, the crime. So there's uh, Timothy Hutton and his ex-wife, who they're both kind of – they're divorcees who haven't buried the hatchet, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you got uh, Benito Martinez from The Shield and his kids. That He's kind of like this hardworking – um, single parent who's very strict and like, he's very like moral and he kind of keeps his kids on a tight leash leash. And then you have Mm -hmm. two junkies that are kind of like they're, they're dreamers, but they're in love, but they're victims to their addiction. It's kind of played up as like a big tragedy, which uh, it's kind of effective, but it's kind of like also network TV. So they can't really do much with it. Um, and then finally there's a gang member who has, who has their, uh, the dead guy's credit card. Mm-hmm. So, so it follows all these perspectives, but uh, I can't help but feel like the show is just really, really problematic from a storytelling perspective. And it honestly, it actually borders on being reckless as social commentary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, because it plays up like, it plays up like, okay. It, it's almost as if it's a police procedural, but there's no police perspective whatsoever. And this may be me coming from like a police family, but I think that that's really, really reckless of them to do because there's a lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot of elements to it that are contingent on the investigation, but for whatever reason, we are being completely shielded from the investigation side of it. So, as an example, there's like uh, 
let's see, what's what's one of the first ones I was going to bring up? Um, so the gang member, they get they they get a hit on him to the, they figure out how they figure out who he is and what he's a part of. So they're going after him. So the cops surround him, and then he runs, and then they shoot him, and mm-hmm. he like they shoot him in the leg, and I mean. Uh, like I think that that is just horrible because it feels like it was making a statement that like, okay, police are police are willing to kill you for no reason. And, it, and you know, I can understand them making that point and everything, but it's used in such a matter of fact way in this show that like, there's a scene later where the guy is asking the detective, he's like, why'd they have to shoot me? Why'd they have to shoot me? And it's just the detective stone face, not responding to that at all. Not, not giving him a reason why, when the logic mm-hmm. of the scene does not necessitate them to shoot him at all, and if if it would be a bigger thing, and it, it was just, it just rubbed me the wrong way so hard, and it just really turned me away from the show. Um, it I don't know I, and I feel like that's really really careless given our, given the given the current climate of police of how, how police brutality is, is a big hot button issue. I think that that's just a really careless way to demonstrate it in a show about crime (laughs) that they would show it without that. They would present the show in such a one-sided way. And it just, it really, really bothered me. Um, a lot actually. Yeah. Well, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's to the point where it's it's nearly vilifying the police, but it's not really because there's there's so little police aspect of it that there's it's it's just it got so under my skin. And then there are other things about it like and there's also just storytelling issues like, I mean, we don't there's a big disconnect with the crime itself, like like the show opens with just a 911 recording of the guy of the the victim's neighbor calling and saying like my victim my my neighbors look like they're dead or something like that and then it's not until like until right around the halfway point of the episode that we get any kind of background or any kind of um any kind of backstory about the about the main about the victim like there's just a scene where the mother's like yeah he was in he fought overseas and and all that and I'm like Okay, we could have used that like twenty minutes ago when we're you know getting to know the characters involved with this. Like it just it just felt sloppy. Um, and then finally, the the yeah. last yeah, like finally the last thing is like uh, the mother of the dead guy is she's like annoyingly racist. Um, it's like she's almost a caricature of a rach- of a racist character. But it's not quite there. So she's basically just the personification of the show's like themes, like racial themes. And it's it's just really overbearing more than anything is that she's like she's like, oh, yeah, that would <clears throat> like she finds out that there's that they're that they're the police are tracking a Hispanic, a, a, a Hispanic guy. They got a description of a Hispanic guy driving a car. And then she's like, oh, yeah, that would that makes sense that he'd go and fight overseas and then he'd come over here and then he'd get killed by an illegal. It's like like there's like four steps that she completely missed and it's to the point where it's like we i guess they want us to hate her or something i don't i don't know it's it's really distracting and really weird so yeah so that's all i'm ever going to say about american crime cuz i don't think i'm going to watch anymore <laughs> so 
don't watch yeah, it. Yeah, so don't watch it. And I like obviously I had a lot to say about it. I started making notes about it and I basically wrote like a review, so I'll probably have a review of the pilot episode on Obsessive Viewer pretty soon. So yeah, Sounds and good. yeah, and that does it for what I've been watching on Hulu. Um Cool. Yeah. Um I want to bring up just briefly uh, Modern Family, and specifically I want to bring up the episode um, uh, episode 16, so this was two weeks ago, okay. uh, called Connection Lost. Do you watch Modern Family anymore? You I, you know, I don't. I, I stopped around season, the end of season two, but I I saw, like, you mentioned it in the Pacha, you, you mentioned it as the I episode, and I was like, that I'm kind of intrigued, so... What, yeah. Yeah. It's, um... It's still good. The show is still good, and it and it kind of, uh, I mean, it's still winning awards. So I don't I don't know that it's completely being ignored. But right. um, you know, when it aired, by the way, it's in its sixth season. I was oh, just going to ask how many seasons that's been. That's yeah, wow, six. Um, and it's still pretty consistent. It, it has up and down seasons, and um, I thought it struggled to to regain uh, a footing after the first season. I thought the you know the first season was kind of um, they they kind of aired their best stuff and then couldn't <laughs> right. really. Uh, but they've been it's been pretty consistent since and um, lately it's been it's been particularly funny. Um, so this episode called Connection Lost, mm-hmm. uh, it, the whole thing takes place. <clears throat> excuse me on Claire's um, iMac. Okay, and so she's at the she's in Chicago uh, O'Hare. She's at an airport um, and she is checking Facebook. Uh, and everything, and can't get a hold of Haley, uh, and so she's calling everybody through Skype and and cool. iMessage, uh, and she sends them texts and Facebook messages, and trying to figure out this mystery of Haley, who they think um, might have gone off and and gotten married, and so huh. like the first person she calls is Phil, and we see Phil is just you know he got the weekend alone, so he's been playing um, Halo the whole time, <laughs> uh, and then. And then she calls Alex, uh, and Alex answers, but her computer is just like on the other side of the room. Uh, and so she's <laughs> nervous. She goes, uh, get, get your father. And then so Alex turns around and says, hey, mom wants you, but you can see Phil you know, from a different perspective now. You can mm-hmm. see the back of Phil's head on Alex's computer. And he goes, tell her I'm in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so it's a it's a visual joke. So, right. so to try to dictate the thing is stupid. I, I don't know why huh. I tried, but I, I, I it thought worked. it was hilarious. Um, well, thanks. Yeah. And so it was just it's the type of episode that could feel gimmicky, but for a show called Modern Family, uh, that they that they're showing the way this family speaks to each other, mm. I think it's pretty modern and and pretty clever. Yeah. Um, I also what we got out of that episode is that. Um, they, the, uh, Claire and Phil kind of eloped and, you know, she was pregnant and kind of ran Ah. off. Uh, and so I think we knew that before, but it let me know that that was their thing. You know, Mm -hmm. all of the couples are, are weird. Right. Not weird. I'm sorry. That sounds so awful, awful, (laughs) but they're, they're, they're a twist. They're modern, right? Right. There's the, there's the gay couple. Mm -hmm. There's the. The uh, May to December couple, mm-hmm. and then of course we we think of Phil and Claire as just the average couple, and they and they are in, in a in a sense, but they're they're also they kind of had their own thing where she was, um, you know, they they had 
a, a, a kid or they, she got pregnant out of wedlock. And so, right. so they also have their, their kind of hang up, their thing that makes them, that makes them modern. So, um, it was, it was just, this is, it was a good episode. It was a really good episode. Nice. That's pretty cool. I'll, um, but, uh, I'll have but, to check it out on Hulu. Yeah, but to to stay on uh on TV and sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Um I think our favorite show lately is Blackish. Have you watched Blackish at all? You know, it's I haven't, but I've heard a lot of good things and it's it's kind of funny I I guess because I didn't expect it to be a hit cuz I mean it kind of seemed kind of gimmicky like like kind of a gimmicky kind of racial sitcom kind of trope or uh archetype like playing on the archetype of like a black family or something like that yeah. uh, well, but it does a little bit but i i almost want to call it modern or family <laughs> really yeah huh. um the at times it gets a little over the top with the fact that they're a black family and it's and it's a little too obvious but um the performances are so good and it's just played with such earnestness um that you that you kind of have to give it to it the 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 boy who plays Andre Junior Junior on the show mm-hmm. is hilarious. Nice. Uh, and so I, I it's my highest recommendation. It's my it's my favorite show um, of, in the in the sitcom world these days. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, let's see. Uh, how many more do you have? Because I'm I'm at my Netflix, which has three. Uh, you can just finish it up here. Okay. So, so rounding out my streaming cord cutting, whatever, uh, itemized list of topics, uh, Netflix, it's kind of the big, the big one. So I am going to start with a movie that I actually watched like, this must've been like maybe a month and a half ago. And I just haven't gotten around to talking about it on the podcast. Uh, Fantastic Voyage from, I think it was like 66 or 67. Are you familiar with this movie? Uh, I'm familiar with the song. Fantastic slide, slide, slippery slide. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's not not that. Um, <laughs> no, not that. No. Uh, Fantastic Voyage is it's a sci-fi movie about uh, a group of scientists uh, that are miniaturized and sent into the body of a dying scientist to save him. Um, it's, oh my! Yeah, it's. Uh, and this this premise has been aped and 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 uh, satirized and and parodied and stuff in several other things. I remember there was an episode of Family Guy about it, and there was an episode of um, Rugrats about Magic it. Magic School Bus. Oh yeah, it's a Magic School Bus plot. Huh. Sure. Wow. Um. So yeah, it's so it's it's been used before and everything, and you know it's it's pretty cool. It's uh the visual effects were pretty solid for for the time. And some of the snags of the of the mission are just really really clever. Um, there's one in particular where they're in, I think I think they were in like the ear canal or something, and they needed the room like they they were being monitored by a room of people that were around the body, and they're like, okay, well it needs to be like absolute silence because any any sound that reaches the ear of the guy the the sick guy is going to be amplified so much in the ship that's inside his body in this area. So they they need mm-hmm. to be completely silent. Well, of course they drop like a spoon or something like that. And there's like a big, like, like 
booming effect and everything. It's it's really interesting. Um, it's also notable because it's it it takes place in real time once they once they get miniaturized. So like when they're miniaturized, it's like they have sixty minutes to go through and it plays out in real time, which I thought was a really interesting uh, gimmick, I guess. Um, it it, ha- it features a young Donald Pleasance, which was nice. pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool seeing him as not uh, Dr. Loomis and not yeah. as Blofeld. The evil! <laughs> um, and then also, I, for some, like, okay, like Nolan, has, I've, I've, talked him down so much lately but i think it'd be really interesting if he remade fantastic voyage in like a modern kind of thing because it kind of seems like a kind of inception-esque heist movie but with the with his style would be kind of interesting um mm-hmm. although it would be probably a retread but anyway um so yeah fantastic voyage i definitely recommend checking it out um <clears throat> and then briefly again or briefly because I know you haven't watched the show. Um, I am seven episodes into House of Cards Season 3. Um, which, yeah, like, uh, it's 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 off to a good start. But last season was kind of marred with some disconnected subplots that, it, like, a couple subplots kind of weren't really connected to the main plot line. And it kind of dragged the season a little bit. But this season, it's cleaned up quite a bit. But the thing I want to talk about uh, is just the cinematography is absolutely stunning. It's something that I've noticed like in seasons past of House of Cards. But it's like so much of the shots are so beautifully symmetrical and, and the way that the scenes are lit and seeing how the lighting actually changes. It's just – it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, there's a scene in particular at Arlington National Cemetery where uh, Frank played by Kevin Spacey he's standing kind of kind of in the foreground and behind him are just like rows and rows and rows and rows of headstones um and it fills like it fills the entire background um and it's a really bright sunny day but it's it's so interesting the way that it's lit because frank is just shrouded in the shadow of of a tree that's next to him and it's just a really beautifully composed shot and i, I it's just this show is just ripe with those uh, or rife with those. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's pretty good so far and it's leading to some interesting, uh, places. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and then finally, and I should have brought this up sooner, but I binge watched in like, I binge watched, I like Friday after work, I went home and then basically watched unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt until I was done with it. Um, are you familiar with this at all? Uh, only because it's at like the top of Netflix every time I sign on. Right. It's uh, okay. So it's it's a new Netflix exclusive show from Tina Fey. Um, it, it's it's Ellie Kemper from The Office. She plays a woman who moves to New York City after being held in a bomb shelter in Indiana by a cult leader for fifteen years. Okay. So it's you know it's it's really interesting. It's it's really funny. It's it's actually hilarious because. She is like okay. I know you didn't watch The Office, but she played like uh, in season five. She came on. She was uh, Michael Scott's assistant or or the receptionist in the office, and she, I mean she was just adorable. Um, 
and here she's playing like a similar character. She's kind of sheltered and kind of, well, obviously she's very sheltered. Um, but I'm just so impressed with how well she can carry the show. Um, mm. It's actually, it's just, it's just so much fun to see her, her character assimilating to the modern world and adulthood. Cause when she was in, when she was taken into the bunker, she was like 14. Um, so it's the best part about it though, is that she's assimilating to the world and everything, but they're creating a world for her that is just as bizarre and skewed as her perspective of the world is. So like, it's not like a normal kind of like fish out of water kind of like, Oh, she's silly. Cause she thinks this it's like, it's like, she's silly because she doesn't know about this, but everyone around her thinks about this in a different way from what the audience thinks about it. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. so it's just a really wacky, wacky world. Um, there's some really good supporting cast in it. Uh, this guy Titus Burgess uh, plays Kimmy's roommate, and and he's he's a lot of fun. He's he's a lot of fun. Um, and then Carol Kane is her landlord, and she's like an adorable old lady that's playing just crazy. Um, the one of the, and I hate to say this is problematic or or if this is a problem or anything, but Jane Krakowski. First of all, Mike, did you watch? Uh, 30, have you watched Thirty Rock at all? Nope. Okay. Well, Jane Krakowski, she was on she was on 30 Rock, which the show has a very kind of similar kind of 30 Rock f- feel to it, but 30 Rock was very dependent on uh sat- sat- satire and uh parodying um pop culture in in the television industry, which this has none of that, but it's kind of has a similar kind of wackiness to it. But Jane Krakowski is playing a character that's 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 almost in the same vein as her character from 30 rock. Cause in 30 rock, she was like one of the stars. She was a, a diva, um, a, a crazy diva actress that was trying to be, that was competing with, uh, Tracy Morgan's character here. She's, she's just a rich, a rich woman, like a trophy wife, uh, who's like just as out of touch with reality and just as entitled as her character from 30 rock. So there's kind of some, there's kind of some overlap there and I, I'm hoping that next season that they can kind of break her into her own character. But, mm-hmm. but I will say that there's 13 episodes in the first season, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's hilarious. Like it's, it's absolutely hilarious. And there's some notable like guest stars. I'll just run through them really quickly. Um, John Hamm pops up later in the season in a few episodes and he's, he's great. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, Dean Norris from breaking bad is in one episode and he's really funny. But like in perhaps one of the best guest starring roles I've seen lately in a TV show is Martin Short playing a he's he's playing a plastic surgeon who can't talk because he has so much plastic surgery on him. <laughs> and it's okay. it's such a great physical performance that I, I honestly I couldn't even recognize him. Um and it, it's it's hilarious. Just the whole setup is is really funny and the whole season was really good, and I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing more of it. I think I'm pretty sure it was renewed for a second season. So yeah, sweet. Yep. <clears throat> sweet, sweet, sweet. And that does it for what I have on Netflix. I think, right? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. That should do it. Yeah, I guess so. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And I'll throw it to the pre-recorded outro. Uh, sorry that we couldn't have all three of us here, um, but. Tiny, I assume, still alive. Um, nice. Yeah. Around. Yeah, he's, you know, 
he'll pull through. So, so anyway, so thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, and as I said, we were a weekly moving TV podcast covering a specific topic, and the topic today is we have no topic. <coughs> wow, that was ugly. <coughs> you want to do it again? Yeah, yeah. And I, all last week, I, like, the, oh my god, <laughs> the, my brother's cat is just like creepy. Anyway, um, okay. Talking? Yeah, hang on. Okay. As always, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Thank you to Loudlike for providing our awesome opening theme music. Their first EP is called Mistakes We Must Make and features our theme song and Eclipse of Events. Please head over to iTunes and download their album. While you're there, make sure to give us a rate and a review. It helps us climb the podcast charts, and we really appreciate feedback. Speaking of feedback, please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Viewer. And follow each of us on Twitter. You can find me, Tiny, at ObsessiveTiny. Matt is at ObsessiveViewer. And Mike is at I am Mike White. You can also check out the blog at ObsessiveViewer.com, where we, but mostly Matt, review movies, TV shows, and comment on the industry as a whole. While you're web surfing, please head over to our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, where we review books and comment on the ever-evolving world of reading. If you're philosophically curious, please go explore my side project, The Secular Perspective Podcast, which is a show that explores the concept of faith, religion, and existence from a secular perspective. If you have any thoughts on the podcast or suggestions for future episodes, you can also email us individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or email the podcast directly at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Thanks for joining us today, and please come back.